This is PhotoBizX episode number 426 and today we are talking construction and architectural photography, a genre I knew nothing about and I've got to say I was blown away by the success that today's guest is having and she shares exactly how she's doing it. I'm talking about Sarah Louise Jackson and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is a big episode for you this week and I am excited to bring it to you. Like I said in the intro, Sarah Louise Jackson is our featured guest, and I say this so often, but it is so, so true. Even if you don't photograph or have no inclination of photographing construction or architectural work for your photography business, you will still get a ton from what Sarah has to share in today's interview. And if nothing else, she will get you thinking about why, oh, why haven't I explored this genre myself? Because... It sounds incredible. So more from Sarah in just a second. In addition to the interview, I've got a few shout outs after talking to Sarah. I've got a giveaway this week, a fantastic giveaway. It's a dual camera harness made by a local Aussie photographer. This thing is incredible. All leather, carbon fiber and stainless steel. It looks absolutely amazing. And this is going to a lucky PhotoBizX listener. I'm going to tell you how you can get hold of this yourself after the interview with Sarah. And before that, because I think this ties in nicely with what Sarah has to share in her interview, I recently, last week, had someone use their marketing techniques on me as a podcaster. And the approach that this marketer took by the name of Omar was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to tell you exactly what he did in just a second, but... As photographers, I think we are so guilty of trying to, I guess, automate our marketing or or not actually put ourselves out there. We want to run ads. We want to create videos. We want to run competitions and third-party marketing strategies to try and bring clients to us instead of actively targeting a specific client and going after them. Now, I know that this may be more applicable to you if you photograph, say, headshots or branding or personal branding photography. Uh, commercial work. But what Omar did is firstly to leave a five-star rating and a lovely podcast review in the Apple Podcasts area of iTunes, which as a podcaster, I love because those ratings and reviews help other photographers discover the PhotoBizX podcast. And more listeners means a better quality podcast because I can attract more guests. And yeah, you know the story. I mean, We all love to get reviews, and I know you're the same. Whether it's a Facebook review or a Google review, we love positive reviews, positive testimonials. So Omar, who had a a bigger plan in mind, left a lovely review for the PhotoBizX podcast. He also sent me an email to say that he'd left a review. He mentioned something that was talked about in one of the podcasts, so I know that he's actually listened 
to one of the interviews or one of the episodes, at least part of it anyway. And then he made some observations about my marketing and suggested there might be a couple of things I could be doing to grow the audience numbers of the podcast and asked if I would mind sending the video over of these ideas. So this was a really fantastic email because, well, a number of things. He left the review, he told me he left the review, and then he asked a very simple question asking if he can share some advice on how I could grow the podcast. All really smart things to do. And the beauty of asking that question at the end means that he's going to get a reply from me if I do want to hear from him again and hear about these ideas, which means if he goes to the trouble of sending me more information, specific information for the Photo BizX podcast, it's not going to be going to my spam folder. So I thought that was a really clever move. I replied. I said, yep, sure thing. I'd love to hear your ideas. Then... This is so cool. This is where I really believe he's gone above and beyond. Omar recorded a screen sharing Loom video where he's on the PhotoBizX website. So that comes up front and center. So I know that he's on my website and he also shares his own screen and goes through three very cool ideas on how I could grow the audience of the PhotoBizX podcast. Now, I don't need to go into those ideas, but I can say they were pretty unique. They were very targeted and he knew exactly who my target audience is and how I could potentially get in front of them in ways that I'm not actually using already. So this was a detailed, helpful video and I could run with some of the ideas or two or three of the ideas that he shared without even going back to him. But what he also did was share a Calendly link so I could book an appointment, no obligation and free to have a chat about these ideas and potentially employ him to help me with those. So I'm sure you are listening and thinking, yeah, okay, this guy is switched on. He's fantastic. And yes, he did put a bit of time into you know reaching out to me and potentially not getting anywhere. But what an incredible approach. I mean, he's got me every step of the way. I'm stepping through the little things that he wants me to do to potentially hire him to help me with my marketing. I think this is absolutely genius and something that we just don't do as photographers or very, very few of us do. Now, I, for one, if I was a headshot photographer, I would be doing exactly this. I would be looking for local businesses in my area, going to their websites, seeing which ones have poor or no headshots and recording a video using Loom, which is a free Google plugin and showing these businesses how I could help serve them by creating the kind of headshots that they should have on their website to better connect with their ideal clients. Like who who wouldn't be interested in hearing from you or from me if I did that? I, I think that would be an absolutely winning idea if I was struggling to get bums on seats or looking to get in, in front of or to, to work with specific clients in my area because who knows where those headshots will lead to. That could lead to personal branding or other commercial or product photography with those businesses. Like you, you just never know where those relationships are going to lead. And it can all start with being proactive and targeted and by taking action and reaching out to people that you want to work with. I, I really love this idea. And you're going to hear some similarities with Omar's approach and with what Sarah talks about in her interview, which is coming up in just a minute. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Have you ever been approached by another business for your business and how was it done? Was it done as beautifully as what Omar has done for me? Have you ever done this for another business? Have you reached out with some actionable ideas that can help the business that you want to work with? Has it worked for you? I'd love to hear your ideas, your thoughts, your comments on this. Let me know inside the members 
Facebook group if you're a premium member, or feel free to send me an email or leave a comment in the show notes for today's episode. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest has been photographing buildings for 25 years. Yes, I said buildings. She's a construction and architectural photographer based in Melbourne, Australia. And some of the services that she offers include still photography, drone and aerial photography, time and hyperlapse, and snappy videos. With a very long list of well-known clients, a few that you may know of include McDonald's, John Deere, Air New Zealand, Costco, David Jones, and so many more. Now, in addition to her fantastic photography, she also has a podcast. It's titled Adventures of a Construction Photographer. I'm talking about Sarah Louise Jackson. I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Sarah, welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me on, on the podcast. I'm very excited. A long time listener and yeah, happy so to. Cool. That's so cool. I mean, so you know how the interviews run and we've actually chatted quite a bit too during the vlog challenge a few months ago. So I'm really familiar with you. I'm, I'm not 100% familiar with your work, but I've got an idea about it. How did you get into construction photography? <laughs> well, to be honest, it, it was by accident. I wanted originally to be a landscape photographer. And my husband or boyfriend at the time, now husband, was starting his apprenticeship in carpentry. And his boss at the time asked if I could go and photograph some of their projects. And alas, I fell in love and haven't looked back since. With him or the photography? Well, both. (laughs) (laughs) Both. Wow. So were you actually, were you a landscape photographer and making money from it at that time? I was a struggling landscape photographer. I mean, this was fairly early on in my career. I think I'd only been photographing for about two years, something like that. I was actually trained, believe it or not, as a wedding photographer then sort of jump ship and change to commercial. Right. So you started photographing for your boyfriend's construction company or the carpentry company. Yes. And I'm guessing they paid you for that work. Is that when you got the idea that, hey, this could be a new avenue or a different avenue for me? 100%. So I was always uncomfortable photographing people. I'm a fairly shy personality and I just get incredibly nervous, especially on a wedding day. And then when I started doing the buildings, I I sort of went in and I thought, this is great. I don't have to talk to anybody. Um, I can sort of go about my business. And I got paid like pretty well for it. So so I'm onto something here. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so, I mean, it's such a cool, cool job. There's no two days are the same. One day I might be photographing a shopping centre. The next day it might be a state-of-the-art operating theatre or a restaurant or some cranes being put up. It's just really, really cool in terms of the variety of stuff that you get to shoot. That's so cool. I want to ask you more about the actual work that you do and also the fact that you're a woman in what I'm guessing, you know, maybe in the beginning, maybe not, maybe I'm totally off base here, but it sounds, I thought it would be a very male-dominated genre. But let me just take you back to, you said when you started photographing for your boyfriend's boss or doing that construction work in the very early days, you were paid pretty well. So how did you even know what to charge back then? Was it an hourly rate? Did you give a quote? How did you do your pricing back then? 
Yeah, so I've never sort of charged by the hour. I've always charged by the amount of images that the client ends up choosing. And it's just, I guess, something that I just really discovered by fluke. I just asked the client sort of how many they, images that they might like. And there's a organisation called the Master Builders Association of Victoria or Australia as well. And they have like a little bit like we have the AIPP awards. They have the Must Builder Awards and they had a requirement that you had to have 14 images. And so I just basically came up with a figure for images and I've been charging like that way ever since. Well, okay. Then so back then would it be like an architect or a, a builder that would employ you who wants to enter this competition? Yeah, so I mainly photographed for builders. So it was builders at the time, but of course there is architectural awards that, that run also. But I've always erred on the side of, of the builders. Okay, so back then, I know this is going back a long time, but let's say you, I'm a builder and I call you up, I've seen your portfolio, I like it, I'm going to enter these awards, I'm after 14 images. Yep. I'm guessing you would shoot a lot more and then would I pick the best 14? That's exactly right, yeah. So I would normally go to a project and photograph anywhere from sort of 30 to 100 photos, to be honest, and then they are able to pick the ones that they think sort of reflect the project the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then do you remember what you charged back then? Yeah, so I was a little bit clever about it, I think. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I sort of had, I guess, a staggered approach so one to five photos six to 12 and then 13 to 30 and I think back then I was charging about 1500 something like that for the 13 to 30 images so that was the the one that was chosen always chosen because we had to have a minimum of 14 (laughs) <laughs> I, I love how you did that so already back then you were pretty business savvy to because i think most new photographers would start at a package with 14 or 15 and you've gone straight for the 13 knowing they need 14 that is so good <laughs> i guess it's just sort of something when i did my photography course i also did a business marketing course alongside so the school that i went to for my photography offered a business marketing course also Nice. Okay. Cause I'm, again, like I just can't understate how like that is such a smart thing to do for such a new, like an emerging photographer in that space. I think most photographers would be scared to do what you did. I love that you did that. But builders saying to you, hey, can you throw in an extra photo for the package below? Uh, no. That's the wonderful thing about builders is that um, I, I don't know how to explain it, but they are happy to sort of, they don't quibble about price often. You're there to do the job. If you deliver, they're very happy at the end of it. And I've not had, an, on many occasions, anyone sort of quibble about price or anything like that in the past. This is sounding like a pretty cool genre to work in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do want to fill in all the gaps, but let's just fast forward to today. Can you give us an idea of your revenue today? Yeah, so I'm pleased to say that I'm in the six-figure category. I feel very blessed to just be able to do what I do each day. I just love it so much. And to be financially rewarded, I guess, um, is just so good. I I feel like I'm living the dream. (laughs) Unreal. That is so good. Like, I know when like six figures gets thrown around a lot these days. Let's say it was a hundred thousand. 
I mean, to me, that really means your take-home pay is closer to 50000 Is that what we're talking about, 100000 or more? No, it's more than 100000 Over two hundred. Yes. Over 500 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is amazing. That is amazing, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you. You must be so proud. That is incredible. Thank you. How many people are in the business? Would you believe that it's just myself, uh, my accountant, <laughs> and I do have some people that I sort of collaborate with occasionally for video editing and capturing video if it's something that sort of I feel a bit out of my depth with. So are they like contractors that you use? Yes, and I do phone friends. So through the Australian Institute of Professional Photography, made many a friend over the year and so Quite often I'll collaborate with the legendary Mr. Tony Knight (laughs) or some other friends in the industry as well. But essentially it's just me, myself and I in the business. Wow, amazing. You know you're just blowing the minds of the listener right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. So I said in the intro that you do or offer a whole range of photography. I understand what drone and aerial photography is. Is the aerial photography, is that from helicopters or aeroplanes? No, it is mainly drone. Certainly um, in early years, it was from out of a helicopter, but now it's typically all drone now, which is just, it's just such a minefield and so much fun. I just absolutely love seeing the different vantage points from the air, the bird's eye views. (laughs) I imagine there must be a lot of compliance and hoops you have to jump through to be able to use a drone, particularly in Melbourne in the city. Is that right? Yeah, so there absolutely is. Um, as of February this year, you had to to fly for reward. You have to have an accreditation. You have to have your drone registered. You have to have a REPL license. And beyond that, to fly in the city, you have to have a REOC license, which is mandated by CASA, which is a civil aviation authority for the Australian Airways. So that is a process. You do have to sit exams for that and it's definitely a process but well worth doing, I I feel. It's sort of going to be the way of the future, I feel. Right. And I'm guessing then whatever the costs are that are involved in getting those licences, you know, they pretty much pay for themselves, I imagine, once you start getting work. Absolutely, absolutely. I think to get your REPL licence, you're looking at about 3000 something like that. And then probably about another two and a half to get the REOC license. Are these annual fees? No, no. It's a once-off. Once you've got the license, okay. you've got it. That's not too bad. <laughs> yes. Cool. And then with the other photography, again, I understand time-lapse. That's where you set your camera in place for a certain amount of time and you capture a frame every so many seconds or minutes or hours. Is that right for time-lapse? Yeah, yes, that's right. So essentially you have a a camera that's fixed on site that sits in a weatherproof box and it has a little computer in the box which tells the camera to fire every 10 or 15 minutes or you can do it even sort of every few minutes if you like. And that sits on the site basically for anywhere from sort of six months to two years, however long the project runs. And then at the end of it, you create a video which shows sort of from beginning to end of the progress of the build. So with that system, that setup, 
Is this like a regular SLR in there? And how do you go about changing batteries? So it has power to the unit or it also has a solar function. So the solar unit can actually power the camera. You don't need the highest quality camera. It's uh, currently, I've just got entry level Nikon cameras inside the box because the quality of the files don't need to be huge. They're actually quite small, to be honest. And yeah, just all those images sandwiched together sort of create this amazing little ant style video of the building being built. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the videos. They're so cool. So I'm guessing, so you would set the camera to manual focus, use a reasonably wide lens. Is the exposure always auto with a fixed ISO and fixed white balance? Yeah, so it's important that you have it on a manual because, uh, well, if it's indoors, you just have it set on manual because the light doesn't change too much. If it's outdoors, you would have it on an auto setting. Having said that, the software that you use to create the video does a really good job at sort of balancing out different lighting conditions. Got it. Okay, because you're shooting JPEG files by the sound of it. Correct, yes. Right. Wow, okay. So that's time-lapse. What's hyperlapse? Hyperlapse is time-lapse on the go. So I like to just sort of as a behind-the-scenes sort of situation when I'm working I'll have like a GoPro that's set to time-lapse and I'll be walking through the project. So I'm moving while the camera's also capturing sort of the time-lapse. Okay, so it's actually fixed to you. Yeah, I'm just holding it in my hand as I'm walking. So it's sort of like a moving time-lapse through a building. Or you can do it from the air as well. So if, for example, if a a crane's lifting a, a concrete panel into place or something like that you might fix it to the concrete panel the drone will sit in the air for example and capture the concrete panel being lifted by the crane into position and it will be just sort of hovering around as it's all happening (laughs) well okay this is such a a whole new world to me (laughs) so these are probably really (laughs) basic questions (laughs) no 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 not at all and then snappy videos snappy videos so that was something that was born out of covid to be honest I was grounded and couldn't work and I thought, oh, I've got to sort of pivot here or do something that I can do from home. So that happened just out of of fluke (laughs) and that was just an idea that I came up with to create videos of people's projects or if people wanted to send me some products, I could photograph them in my studio at home and then create marketing videos for them. Okay, so you're basically trying to keep yourself employed while you're working from home. Yeah, yeah, I I had time on my hands. I was a bit bored and (laughs) (laughs) came up with snappy videos. (laughs) So so good. You know, when you learn something, let's say you're talking about time-lapse, I imagine there was a learning process. How confident were you with how to do a time-lapse before you put it on your price list and actually started charging clients? To be honest, Andrew, I was so nervous. Um, (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> I think I, I got asked to put one on a project, the first one that I did, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I got the time-lapse camera, I think, about 24 hours before it needed to be put onto the site. And so I don't think I slept in those 24 hours. I just sort of did everything I could to learn it fast. But the company that you buy the equipment from are just so helpful, um, Photo Sentinel. Uh, their name and the guys there are just 
absolute legend. So I'll always help you out with any questions. So good. Okay, so you went and set this. So you actually charged a client for the very – you didn't even do a test run. You actually bought the camera, sold it as a going as a job, and then installed it. Yes, yes. I mean, I did do a little test run at home, but, yeah, no, I jumped in with both feet. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I'd love to hear about how the process from start to finish, and I'm guessing things have changed, you know, as your business has grown. These days, how do you attract clients or how do clients find you? So to be honest, most of it is actually word of mouth. These days? Yeah, it is. It's a lot of referral-based or someone might move from one company to another and you're fortunate enough to be taken along for the ride. In the past, I guess in terms of marketing tactics, I actually applied a lot of sort of things that I've heard on your podcast, to be honest. <laughs> in your world. Yeah. So, I mean, back in the day, I guess the way sort of I started building my client base was using a gift card system. And so I would send out a letter with a gift card to companies that I'd like to work for, sort of like a, a trial basis. Let's do one shoot together if you like it. Let's you know continue to work together. If not, well... Unlucky. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was sort of how I really started was with, with gift cards. The gift card that you started out with, was that like a, did it have a dollar value or was it let me come in for one hour and then you shoot for two hours and try and do an upsell? Like how did that actually work? It did have a dollar value. So I think the first gift cards that I did were $550 and a shoot cost 650 So they weren't actually getting anything for free. They still had to pay a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that's important because, you know, if you're just offering up yourself for free, there's no sort of, I guess, investment on their side. They're not invested in the process. Mm, for sure. So, you know, it can just be a small amount that they have to pay to sort of appreciate the whole situation. <laughs> so on the gift card, Sarah, did it actually say, you know, gift voucher, 550 and then did they have the price or you just sent out the gift voucher? Yeah, and- no, no. It was quite a structured letter saying what would happen along with a price list. It wasn't like they didn't know what they were getting into. Okay. There's no sense of bait and switch. No, absolutely not. It was, this is a voucher, but you're still up for $100. Correct. Yeah. And then was the idea then to make an upsell afterwards if they were happy with the images? Not on the initial shoot, no. My goal is that I want to work for your company and I guess that's something else that I should mention is that once you do start working in the construction field with a company, it's generally a long relationship. It's not sort of like once turnover. Because they need images for every single job they do, don't they? Correct, yes. So most clients are sort of 10-plus year clients. Fantastic. Wow. So do you still have clients today who got in on the gift voucher system? I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, And look, even to this day, like if there's a client, uh, there's certain companies that I guess I see as a milestone that I still would like to work for. And if there's been any sort of contact, I'll send them a gift card just to say, hey, it was great to chat the other day here's a gift card for your first shoot. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a a way of trying to get your foot in the door, I think. I like that. So if you were to even send out a gift card today, 
would you have had to have had a you know a personal connection with the person you're giving it to, or would you go and search them out on LinkedIn? Would you find the Facebook profile and target them that way? Like, how do you get that voucher into their hands? So yeah, I mean, stalking on LinkedIn is great, <laughs> <laughs> but generally, I'm only sending gift vouchers to people that I've had an email from that have said, "Hey, we're interested in having a shoot with you. Our project's two, three months off." And then I'll send them a gift card sort of in that time just to, I guess, steal the deal, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. I like it. I love the approach. Let me throw another scenario at you, a hypothetical. Let's say it's an existing client, someone you've been working with for a while, and they they call up. I'm guessing they give you a call these days and they have a new job. Like, Do they say, Sarah, can you give us a price? Or do they just book you in and say, kicking off here, can you be here on this date? Like, What happens these days? Yeah, so generally most clients know what they're in for um <laughs> so i still still charge the same way i have the staggered fees and they know that what those rates are and then so they'll just ring up and say hey we're coming to completion on this project can you come out on this day and take photos so the other other flip side of the coin is if you've got a time lapse project and these projects they run from anywhere up to two years I normally quote the time-lapse projects just depending because they have, might have variables about how many cameras they want. Oh, right. So you might have two, three, four cameras for a time-lapse. Correct, yes, just depending on the size of the project. But sometimes you can't sort of capture everything from one perspective, I guess. So what are they actually buying at the end of the day? Let's say there's a, a multi-camera time-lapse. Are they buying a video from you at the end of the day or are they buying a, all those digital files? No, it's rare that they want the digital files. Essentially, it is a video at the end. But the other thing about it is that um, so the clients get access to a gallery, like a website dedicated to them, so that all the, I guess, vested, interested parties can see what's happening on the project on a daily basis. It's also beneficial for them from a security perspective or a safety perspective. They can see hey, this person was on site on this day or, you know, things like that. So all the um, the people that are involved in the project, not so much the contractors, but the, the builder, the architect, the client, they can all sort of have access to the gallery and, and see the process from the other side of the world if need be. All right. So now you've lost me a little bit here because that means you would have to, and maybe this is done digitally, do you have to pull the cards out every day and upload them to this website? No, no. So the images are sent from the little box up into the cloud. This is a magic box. Unreal. It's magic, yeah. (laughs) Um, They go up via Dropbox or you can nominate a cloud service of your choice, but I use Dropbox and they all just sit in Dropbox as well as it also saves them to an SSD. So you have sort of have redundancy. Inside the box. Correct, yes. Okay. So these boxes, these aren't cheap, are they? No, they're not, but they pay for themselves. Are we talking 10 grand for a box? It's it's not quite. Well, yeah, you probably are looking about 10 when you've got the camera and the lens in there as well, just under 10 per box. Right. And then do you get a notification if for some reason something goes wrong or the photos aren't being recorded? Yeah. So within sort of an hour or two, if... For example, if somebody's not the lead or there's an internet interruption or something like that, you do. You get a text message and an email to say, hey, 
you know, there's something not right here. Um, and then most times it is something silly, like somebody's unplugged your power cord or something like that. <laughs> right, okay. Have you had those messages and, and had a panic like in the middle of the night thinking, oh, my God, I've got to get down to the site? I certainly, um, yeah, I would be lying if I said I haven't. But in saying that, you've got so many images, thousands and thousands of images. So if, you know, you miss a couple of hours or even a day or two, unless that's a really special milestone day, it's not going to sort of matter too much in the scheme of things. Got it, got it. Okay, so I'm the builder. I'm calling you for a time-lapse job and it's going to run for two years. How do you price that? So I price it on a monthly sort of service fee. There's a, a setup fee to go out and install the cameras. That can be a little bit of a process in terms of if it's a, a building in the CBD, um, you might have to arrange access with an like a neighbouring building and you're mounting cameras sort of on the roofs of other buildings in the CBD. So that can be sort of a bit of a process to get sort of permits and things like that. So, yeah, so there's the setup fee, there's a monthly fee, and then there's a fee to remove the cameras and then a final video fee for the, the project. Okay. Um, I guess showpiece. <laughs> yeah. So a job like that, if it's a multi-camera, two-year time lapse, I mean, I'm going to be up for tens of thousands, surely. Correct, yes, you are. Okay, so this is a pretty big investment. It is, but I guess in this, I mean, these buildings are, you know, 50 million plus sort of builds, so right. it's not, yeah, it's not not out of, out of their realm, I guess, to facilitate these sorts of things yeah no not at all it's such a small percentage but i guess from a photographer's point of view it's like wow like it's it is another world for us yeah but maybe not in the building industry yeah i guess i wish i'd been doing it sooner but (laughs) (laughs) sarah what about like a, a more regular day or what i'd call a regular day where you know you've got to go in and photograph the end of a job Do you have an art director? Do you have architects on site saying they want these particular photos? Or do they just say, Sarah, just go and do what you do? Yeah, so to be honest, in most cases, it is, Sarah, go and do what you do. If it's a a new client, sometimes they might sort of come and meet you at the site. But normally I would show up to the building. Um, I might get a little walk around at the start with one of the younger members of the team and then they sort of leave me to my own devices. I don't bring assistance. Yeah, the less people around, to be honest, is better because being on a construction site, there's a lot of safety and regulations around safety. So I don't want to be a nuisance to people. I don't want to be um, seen to be sort of taking over in any sort of way. So I do work very sort of autonomously and quickly and quietly. <laughs> so you you wouldn't be using any supplementary lighting, are you? Is it just tripod and camera? I don't. Yeah, so my, my outfit, I have a think tank camera bag, which is on a belt system, which houses my camera body, two lenses, and then I have a tripod. And then, of course, the drone's always in the in the car. <laughs> so it's really, it's like a wedding photographer's kit. You're pretty light on. Yeah. Yeah, very light on. It's just not a situation that really lends itself to 
um, you certainly wouldn't want to be leaving anything on the floor that someone could trip over or, yeah, lots of moving parts. You've got machinery moving about, cranes moving about, things like that. So you just have to be very mindful of having a small footprint, I guess. So do they generally, the builder, do they have someone with you, you know, watching where you go, making sure you are safe, particularly if there are cranes and deliveries and things happening? Yeah, so I do have safety certification that I can actually work on building sites unattended. But in saying that, most times there is somebody with me on a construction site. If it's a building that's been completed, I'm pretty much they'll give me a swipe card and say go for it. Right, okay. And with, with the two lenses that you mentioned, is one of them a tilt shift lens? Um, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a tilt shift lens, but my lens of choice is actually a Nikon 14 to 24 mil. It just can get me out of pretty much any situation. <laughs> and then I have a 24 to 70, so that's more if somebody, um, you know, they want a shot of a, a builder on site or a portrait on site or something like that. Got it, got it. Wow, so you really have travelling life. So are you fixing perspective and things like that in post, are you, or you just don't need to? Yes, yes, yes. In most most cases, post is perspective and colour balance, right, okay. things like that. So I'm looking at, like, on your Instagram feed, it does look like some of these shots are with a telephoto lens. Do you have that, like, in the car and bring it out on special occasions? No, a lot of the shots on my Instagram are, taken with a phone believe it or not get out wow <laughs> so you must be pretty damn close there to some of these things yeah yeah wow so it's pretty cool some of the access that you get i really do feel like sometimes i'm giving the keys to the kingdom and you, you get to <laughs> peek behind the curtain um i mean i've been like inside the tiffany and co safe and um <laughs> wow state-of-the-art operating theaters and the um, room where AFL was dreamed up. <laughs> so good. So I'm guessing on these jobs when you're shooting stills, then you're capturing in raw? I am, yeah, always in raw. Okay, and then, so you come back after a shoot. Do you do all your own post-processing then or is that outsourced? No, I do do it all myself. A lot of the projects that I shoot can be quite sensitive. So I've always been a little bit nervous about sort of sending stuff out (laughs) Uh, sorry Sarah sensitive in what regard so for example a project that I recently worked on is where the cloud lives Um, so I'm talking about search engines internet search engines and they're very very secretive I guess in that arena that things aren't shared publicly or aren't available to be stolen or anything like that (laughs) got it yeah, so there's a lot of sort of sensitive projects that I would feel nervous about having out there. So I'm a bit of a control freak in that manner. Got it. So some more security side of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you come back then to your, is it a home studio or do you have an office? Yeah, so I've got a, a little studio at home. We live in the Dandenong Ranges in the mountains and, yeah, just got a little little space at home that's detached from the house that I work in. Unreal. Okay, so you come in, you download your raw files, you do your edit, I guess you do a cull and an edit, and then did you say you upload to a site for the clients to get access? Yeah, so I just create a PDF for the clients to make their selections. 
this is for just normal still photography. And then once they've made their selection, that goes via Dropbox to them. But for the time-lapse, there's a website, their own dedicated private password website that they can see imagery on. So when you say their own private website, is this like a pick time or pixie set or is it something that sits off your website? No, it's a website that's uh, really organised by the software that you use for the time-lapse cameras. So it sort of sits side by side alongside that software and you can create password protected websites from that software. Okay, so you'll upload the time-lapse videos there and the stills? Yeah, so the stills, it's basically like a gallery system so they can flick back to a date and have a look at what was taken on that day. But in terms of downloading, they can't actually download anything from that site. They have to come back to you for that? Correct, yes. All right, so can you touch on the contractual side of things? Like are you issuing, I'm guessing not copyright, but unlimited usage rights? Can they use the images as they see fit or does the pricing change as a result of how they want to use the images? Yeah, so I basically just provide an unlimited usage agreement. Um, I know a lot of photographers do get caught up on copyright and I've always erred on the side of I don't want to make life hard for my clients. I don't want to, I guess, be painful (laughs) for them. So, you know, if it's an image that I think, you know, I could sell across the board, then maybe we might have a negotiation. But generally... I just give them an unlimited usage agreement. Okay, so in that contract, they sign a contract, right? Am I assuming correctly? More often than not, it's me signing a contract for them. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it might might be an NDA sort of agreement or something like that. Right, okay. I'm just curious about the copyright. So does it say somewhere that you retain copyright and they have unlimited usage rights? Yeah, so on the bottom of my invoices, I've got like a little disclaimer that says that they can use the images as they see fit, but that I do retain the copyright. Okay, because in Australia, for the listener, just to be clear here, if you're employed as a photographer to produce a set of images for a client, that client automatically owns copyright unless you retain the copyright or they sign it over to you. Is that correct? Well, to my knowledge, that's how it works in the wedding and portrait industry, but in the commercial world, my understanding is, and it may have changed, I haven't looked into it for a few years, but that the photographer retains copyright. Oh, it's different with commercial photography. Yeah, yeah. It certainly has been in the past that the photographer owns the imagery, whereas if it's got a person in a person's face, then they own the image and you have to ask for your copyright back. Okay. So, and the reason I was asking this line of questioning is I was curious if clients ever say, hey, what's this about copyright? But I'm guessing that never even comes up then if it's standard practice. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's becoming more of a thing. So quite often if you have a few different parties involved in the project, um, they'll see the images from the builder and they'll get in touch and say, hey, we'd like to use some of the images. Can we get copyright? Or can we, is there a usage fee or what have you? So that it is becoming more known in the industry that they do have to ask your permission, whereas once upon a time you'd see your images everywhere and <laughs> couldn't do much about it once they're out there. Okay, so talk us through that situation. Let's say you do a, 
a job for a builder who's building something for you know a warehouse for Costco and you you go and do all the photos for the builder but then Costco turn around and they want to use the images for something else would that happen um not not too often occasionally that's happened in the past I did have a scenario quite a few years ago where I did I photographed a university for the builder and the architect somehow got his hands on the images from someone in the building team and next minute that photo was in the age newspaper on a Saturday um, sort of raving about the architect and they hadn't credited the builder. <laughs> Needless to say, the builder wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, being that they'd paid for the, the images. But, yeah, in most cases the builder will say, hey, our client's interested in having, you know, a few copies of these photos. And in the interest of relationship building, I, I usually say, yeah, just go for it. Okay, right. Because again, you want to make life easy for your client and get extra work because these relationships can go on for, for decades potentially. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's say I was a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer and I did something like that. There's going to be a hundred, maybe even a thousand other photographers out there going, Andrew, you are crazy. You're devaluing the industry. You shouldn't be doing that. Is that happening in your world too? Is there a lot of other photographers in your genre, you know, setting standards or pushing people to uphold standards? To be honest, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I pretty much keep to myself a lot. But, I mean, there is a lot of sort of people resharing and reposting images from Instagram or LinkedIn, which sometimes can be a little bit frustrating. But in most cases, I think, you know, that people now know, hey, you need to get in touch with that photographer and just ask if you can use them. I guess my general rule is if it's for the builder's client, I'll let them have the images. But if it's for, say, a contractor on the project, then usually there's a invoice attached. From you or from the builder? No, from myself. Okay. So the builder can't give away your images either? No, unless unless they've asked for permission. They're, they're not supposed to. <laughs> I, they're not okay right because that would surely happen so i mean my brother's a carpenter he does internal fit outs in a lot of big buildings he often wants photos of his work when it's finished so if you've got those photos ideally he would approach you and purchase them from you not go to the builder yeah well what mostly happens is that they do go to the builder first and then the builders will then pass on my details and then they'll come direct okay to me yeah and then are those prices then for that contractor the same as what they would be for the builder or more? No, no, they are less being for the fact that the builders, I guess, copped the cost of my time to be on location. So it is a, a slightly cheaper rate. Got it. And in the work that you do, Sarah, are you regularly having to reschedule because of weather you know the builder wants blue skies when his cranes are out or you know when he's something happening on site yes that is a common occurrence (laughs) Um, so it's more due to the landscaping's not finished or they're running a week behind or something like that but in terms of weather um i actually favor it to be overcast yeah for sure you do but does the builder (laughs) (laughs) well it's just I guess teaching them that hey bright sunny skies aren't always the best outcome (laughs) right yeah sometimes they'll say oh you picked a good day for it (laughs) and if it's a sunny day I'm like oh no (laughs) (laughs) and are you doing things like dropping in blue skies 
I do. I do play with skies quite a bit. To be honest, most of my work is really early in the morning or late in the afternoon. So I like to be on site before the sun's up and photograph the outside as just that first light as it's coming up or the other side of sunset. And then I'm sort of inside by the time the sunny skies are interrupting the pretty pictures outside. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Got it. Uh, I just love this. So with the pricing now, so you're still like in bundles of image numbers. Have your prices changed a lot to when you started? Yeah, I have. I mean, to be honest, I think I'm due for another change soon. Sort of been a bit nervous to take that leap again with the whole of COVID and I guess just everyone's sort of struggling a little bit. But, yeah, no, they're definitely more than what they were when I first started. Sort of, I guess, a typical shoot might be sort of around $3,000, something like that for just still photography. How many images would that be, Sarah? So that would be the 13 to 30. Oh, so you've still got that same structure exactly. I do, I do. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess I didn't do the whole whole half daily or daily sort of thing because normally I'll photograph from, say, 6 in the morning until 9.30, 10 o'clock and I'm sort of home by 11. Is that just in the morning or is that a whole day? No, 11 a.m. Oh, right. Oh, so short. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's a really big sort of project or a milestone day where they're doing a big concrete pour or something like that. Okay. Because you've got kids as well, don't you, and a husband. So, like, I do, I do. <laughs> is there a lot of juggling with family life? It is, it is. I'm very fortunate. I've got a gorgeous girl who babysits for us and she'll come at five in the morning. Or <laughs> grandmothers, God bless them. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we have, certainly have lots of sleepovers. They come and sleep over at our house, actually. So oh, that's so good. Works well. <laughs> does your husband still work in the, the building game? He does. So he works in commercial construction. He's a project director. So he basically sits across a few projects and just mentors, I guess, the younger guys sort of coming up on managing projects and things like that. Nice. And are you still doing work for the companies that he works for or with? I do actually. Um, (laughs) So the company that he works for is a multinational company and I do do work for their company. But having said that, if I happen to be on one of his sites, it's quite funny. We pretend we don't know each other. (laughs) (laughs) Just try and keep it professional, I guess. Sure, Um, sure. Yeah. I said earlier, and I don't know if I was out of line there when I said that, you know, is it a male-dominated world, the construction photography genre? Is it a genre? Like, is there competition? Oh, there certainly is. It's it's becoming a lot more popular these days with the invention of social media because especially on LinkedIn, everyone sort of wants a, a brag priest to say, hey, we've just built this or, hey, we've just been awarded this contract. So there's certainly a lot of work out there, I feel. Um, it's only going to get more. But back to your question with regard to being male-dominated, it was when I first started, it was very rare to see women on site. You might see one or two. But now it's actually quite the opposite. It's sort of something that women are really, really getting into and there's industry bodies, women in construction and things like that. So times are changing, Andrew. <laughs> So it's certainly not no one's surprised when you turn up there as the photographer. 
No, not anymore. I guess back in the day, I can honestly say like it's only ever been to my advantage. You know, back in the day, I might have had to get in the alley mac lift and there might have been 10 fellas um, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's man and, you know, politeness. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, to be honest, like, I mean, back in the day, I only ever had good experiences, people trying to help me and I think maybe I got away with a little bit more being female. <laughs> um, oh. I certainly got away with a lot in terms of security, like, security guards and things like that I guess being female and I'm only five foot three so I'm not I guess threatening in any any way not intimidating (laughs) no (laughs) have you got any stories where you know you've got your gum boots on and you've accidentally stood in the wrong spot after you know during a concrete pour or you're in the way um I don't think so like I'm always very conscious of being respectful and you know placing myself out of the way I do have a funny story where I did go to one of my husband's building sites. He was the project manager at the time and one of the young guys was showing me around and we went into the the lift and um, there was a lot of graffiti in the lift and I started reading a few things and then next thing I see, Ben Jackson is a, and I can't say what it said, but... (laughs) And Ben's your husband. Ben's my husband, yeah. So, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I just laughed. Like, I just laughed. I thought it was hilarious. But the poor guy that was with me, he just went so red <laughs> after he realised I'd read it. Because <laughs> he knew that Ben was your husband. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's yeah, so, so um Or another time I was photographing some cranes and one of the guys that was working on the cranes looked suspectly like an old boyfriend and once again this was one of Ben's sites and I just thought oh my goodness this would be a bit awkward like if they're (laughs) they're both on the same site but it wasn't it wasn't wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) unreal Hey, let me just take it back quickly to social media because I know you know, you've know you got your LinkedIn profile. You've mentioned LinkedIn a few times. You haven't really talked about Facebook or Instagram and you've obviously got a, a great website. When a new client rings you, do you feel like they're coming via one of those social media outlets or are they checking you out there if they've heard about you via word of mouth? Yeah, definitely. I don't play on Facebook too much. My clients are just, they're not on there for business it's um LinkedIn or Instagram I do have quite a strong presence on Instagram and I do see that there's clients that sort of following along particularly on the stories like they're following along on what goes on on a daily basis LinkedIn of course is where everyone's playing so construction is very heavy on LinkedIn but I definitely think yeah you do have to have a presence you do have to sort of show that you are out there working and pushing boundaries I I hope trying to keep things a bit interesting and I know that they love it you know if you give them a mention or something like that nice so I mean you say that they're definitely they're 100% on LinkedIn that they're following you on Instagram so how do you know that for sure are they leaving comments are they contacting you via those those social media outlets so certainly messages on Instagram and, of course, you can see sort of who's watched your stories and things like that. You'll check those things and see who's been watching. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, of course, like you sort of have the situation where someone might reshare a, a post that you've done. They might have worked on the project. And so then uh, initially I sort of felt a bit slighted like about that, but then I thought about it and I thought, no, this is an opportunity. So instead of sort of getting upset about it, it's more, hey, let's get in contact with them and see if perhaps we can work together in the future on the next project. This is, Sarah, this is if someone takes one of your photos and shares it. Yeah, yeah. And then will you go over then to that profile and make a comment or will you just send them a DM? Usually a DM. I might like it, like the post or something like that. And then send them a message hoping that we can work together again in the future. Yeah, yeah. Why not turn something into a positive? Sure. And when you do get a new inquiry, is it more likely to be a phone call for you or an email? Email. <laughs> yeah, in most cases it is an email. It's I've been um, talking to so-and-so, they recommended you. I feel like sometimes I'm a little bit awkward when I'm speaking. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll usually sort of respond by email and then follow up with a phone call like the next day or something like that. But I, I've always felt I present better in um, email. Okay. So in your world, is that original email, is that similar to what I would get as a wedding and portrait photographer? You know, um, love your work. How much do you cost? How much does it cost to have you come and photograph? Is that sort of the, the gist of the question? Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much the same thing. Or, hey, we've got this project coming to completion. You know, there's certain aspects that we'd like to capture. It would be great to have a chat about that and find out some pricing. It's usually that sort of sort of scenario. <laughs> and then so your initial email back, does that include pricing or do you want to talk about that on the phone? No, I do have a set sort of email that I send back, which I created in Canva. Right. So it's an image. It's an attachment. So it's um it's about a three or four page document that sort of says, Hey, thanks for getting in touch. Um, this is what we do, this is the clients that we've worked for. Um pricing and sometimes in the body of the email write sort of more specific things to the project that they're discussing got it okay so you're not you're not certainly not hiding prices you're happy to put them out there in that initial email are you then in that first email are you asking the client to call you back or do you say something like i'll give you a call tomorrow to follow up oh no definitely i phone them um these people they're busy people and i think it's important that I follow them up rather than the other way. Okay. So that follow-up call, just give me an idea of how that runs. Is it, hi, I'm Sarah, the photographer you reached out to. Is that it? And then you go from there? Yeah. It's basically, hey, I'm Sarah. Thanks for your email yesterday. Just wanted to touch base with you. So any questions you have, can we talk a little bit more about the project? Um, when do you need the images by? That sort of thing. Okay. And do you get the sense that they're emailing two or three photographers or they're just, they've got your name, they're coming to you, they want you? I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there is probably, you know, a bit of price shopping around, but generally most people are coming to me because they've seen the work or they've been referred by a friend within the industry. So they've got a little bit of knowledge about sort of how everything works anyway. Got it, got it. And for you in your world, is it the same for me where if I'm booked for a wedding date, I'll try and refer a friend, a photographer that I know, like and trust to the client? Do you do the same thing? Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's a few photographers here in Melbourne that are certainly 
people that I are very happy to recommend. Right. That you would be happy to. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of gentlemen and they know who they are that are just invaluable and uh, I've got the greatest respect for. <laughs> nice. Nice. So good, Sarah. I love this. So what about for the listener that's just heard you talking about your amazing job for the last hour and they're thinking, oh, look, I'd like to give this a try. First of all, is it a good idea? And where would you start? Would you start with domestic type building um, builders and architects? Or would you go you know, straight into high rise? Yeah, I probably would start with sort of the smaller contractors and they might be a little bit more approachable in terms of they might not have a lot of content or that they're, they're putting together a website or something like that. So I, that's where I'd start. I'd start perhaps, you know, finding companies if you're watching things on LinkedIn and you see see a company that, you know, you'd like to work for, there's no harm in getting in contact and putting yourself out there. I just think every time I've done that, it's paid off. For sure. And sending a voucher. Yeah, like it's scary, but I don't know. It's just it, it has always paid off. I like that. And would it be a good idea to say if you did some research and you knew that, say, the Masters Builders Association were having their awards, could you leave with something like that? Hey, look, the awards are coming up. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Your building looks amazing. Not sure if you have a photographer yet. Here's a voucher. Yeah. Or, you know, if it's something in your local area, hey, I've been watching this, this building go up. You know, I'm a photographer. I'd really love to capture it for you. Something like, you know, along those lines. Nice. So good. Sarah, you have been amazing. Where is the best place for the listener to see more of your work and, and follow along with what you're doing? I definitely say Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's where I sort of play the most, I guess, which is Sarah underscore Louise underscore photography or LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn handle's really, really long and drawn out. But that was something that I, I think I got from one of your podcasts in that. Um, from Jeff Brown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very clever. Very clever. Cool. Well, he's coming back on because I think there's been quite a few changes with LinkedIn. He's coming back on to talk about the updates. Great. Oh, listen to that. Yeah. So I can see I'm looking at your LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn profile is Sarah <laughs> Louise Jackson hyphen construction photographer hyphen drone pilot REPL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Optimized to the hilt. <laughs> Look, Sarah, I'm going to add links to those profiles in the show notes so listeners can follow along. I haven't asked you, I don't even know, but do you mentor in this stuff? Look, I'm happy to. I've, I guess, had a little bit of um, that over the years, students sort of coming and spending, you know, a day or two here or there. But yeah, it's something I'm, I'm more than happy to do. I'd like to do a lot more of it. Cool. All right. Like I said, I'll add your details and links in the show notes so people can follow up with you if they, they want to take that further. Great. Just to finish off, Sarah, what's your next dream piece of equipment? Um. Oh, goodness. Is there a list or have you got your eye on one thing? Well, I do want to upgrade some of my Nikon cameras up to the Z series. Z series, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But probably my next thing will be one of the the bigger drones. So what are you flying now? I'm flying a Mavic Air 2, but I have got a license to fly up to a 25 kilo drone, which is basically used for sort of farming and mining and things like that. So that's probably what I would really like to to get soon. (laughs) Nice. So what do you get with with that size drone? I mean, do you get a, a better quality camera? Do you get to fly further distances, higher? What's the benefit? 
So you can do things like crop spraying. A photograph a crop being sprayed. Well, no, they actually have um, the facility to put like tanks on them. So the drone can be used instead of just photography, you can be, you know, spraying vegetation or things like that. There's so many different uses. For- so you would actually come up with other commercial uses for the drone in addition to photography? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, I think drones are just the way of the future. They're incredible what's being done with them already, and I think it's just going to go on and on. Yeah, because I know they're being used in the power line industry for inspection and cleaning and and even putting out fires now. Like They're incredible. Yeah, yeah, no. um, It's definitely an industry that's going to grow and grow, provided people are safe and respectful. Of the air waste. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you need all those licenses, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, Sarah, I'll leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that. You've blown me away. What an amazing business you have. And, again, like massive thanks for coming on and sharing what you have. Andrew, thank you so much. It's been an absolute honour and I love your show and I just feel very, really, really blessed to be asked to come on. Ah, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sarah as much as I did. Sarah, if you are listening, thank you so much again for coming on, sharing everything you did. And massive congrats again on what an amazing business you've created. Uh, You have blown me away. I'm sure it's been the same for the listener. And again, just massive thanks for coming on and opening up the doors to your incredibly successful business. For you, the listener, I do hope you feel the same way I did after talking to Sarah There is no way I am sure that you can finish this interview without feeling inspired and motivated by what Sarah had to share. Now, if you do have a follow-up question for Sarah, you can hit her up inside the members Facebook group. She is already a PhotoBizX Premium member. So hit her up there, tag her in your post, and I'm sure that she'll be happy to come back and answer any questions you have. If you are listening to the free version of the podcast, You can leave a comment for Sarah or ask a question in the comments area at the bottom of the show notes. And this week they are at photobizx.com forward slash 426. Now in those show notes, I've got examples of Sarah's beautiful work. I've got links to anything and everything she shared, including all her social media profiles. So you can easily contact her that way as well. I've got three big shout outs for today's episode and I'm not going to read these individually but I do want to say a massive thanks to the three photographers that did take the time and make the effort to leave the reviews. The first one goes out to Rash Amena from Australia. He or she left a review in Apple Podcasts, a five-star rating with some lovely kind words. Rash Amena, please let me know exactly who you are because I want to add a link to your website using the keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for. It's my little way to say a proper thanks for taking the time to leave your review. The second big shout out goes out to Mornington Peninsula wedding photographer Ross Forte, who is obviously based in Australia. Ross also left some wonderfully kind words, a five-star rating in Apple iTunes. So Ross, again, massive thanks to you, mate. I have added that link. I took a guess on a keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for. I hope I've got that right, but please let me know if you'd like me to change that. And finally, the third big shout-out goes to Omar Nomadables, who I mentioned earlier in today's episode. Omar is the guy who hit me up with those fantastic marketing ideas in that Loom video that I alluded to earlier in the podcast episode. 
So Omar, again, thank you to you for taking the time to leave that five-star rating and lovely review in Apple Podcasts. And for you, the listener, if you don't have a link back to your website using a keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for from the PhotoBizX website, simply leave an honest rating or review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Let me know about it and I'll make sure I get that link added to your site to help you with your SEO. It's just my little way of saying thanks for taking the time to leave the review. PhotoBizX.com. Real advice, real strategies, and real ideas to build your photography business. Alrighty, just before we close out today's episode of the show, we have a competition, a giveaway. It's a dual camera harness from Straps Photography, and this thing is absolutely gorgeous. Now, I've never worn camera harness while shooting. I know there are plenty of photographers that do, mainly wedding photographers, I guess some portrait photographers too. But when I received the parcel from Murray Redpath of Straps Photography, I opened the parcel from Australia Post thinking it's just going to be a box with a strap in it. I have it here right in front of me now and I'm going to open the, the main box that it came in the strap or the harness and when I opened the box I was blown away by the packaging from Murray to start with it's a beautifully branded burgundy box with straps on there and his logo it's also got some sizing information on the size this is a medium I have here in front of me I opened this beautiful box there's some more lovely branding on the inside there's a lovely instruction card on nice quality stock paper uh, I move that out of the way and there is this gorgeous leather and carbon fiber and stainless steel strap or harness inside the box. Now this thing looks incredible. It will last generations. The fittings are solid. It looks it looks fantastic. I mean it looks really cool. Uh, nice thick straps. The leather looks amazing. I mean this is this is a beautifully finished piece of artwork. So if you are the kind of photographer that would wear a dual camera harness. You can win one of these from Straps Photography. All you need to do is go to Murray's website, which is straps.photography, and straps is S-T-R-A-P-Z dot photography. Have a look at the three different harness options that he has and email me the size and the color that you would like for yourself. So the color must be one of the ones that are listed from the Straps website. So I'll need that and the size. You can email me. It's andrew at photobizx.com. That's all you need to do, and you will go into a draw. I'll pick a random winner at the end of the month. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. This is open to anyone, any PhotoBizX listener. Just go to Straps Photography and email me with the size and the color of the harness that you would like for yourself. Now, when you get to Murray's website, if you want to purchase a harness for yourself, knowing how good these things are, right away you can do that. And you can also get 20% off if you use the promo code PHOTOBIZX. And if you happen to be the winner at the end of the month, you can either have a second harness sent out to you or you can have a refund. Totally up to you. There is nothing in this for me. Murray just happened to get in touch, sent me down one of his harnesses to look at. And yeah, I'm blown away by this thing. It really is gorgeous. So I thought, you know what, if I can help Murray a little and have a giveaway for PhotoBizX listeners at the same time. Let's do it. 
So super simple, let me know the color and the size that you want. The color has to be one of the ones listed on the Straps website. Email me with those details, go in the draw, and I'm gonna draw a random winner at the end of the month. That's August, 2021. So good luck with that. Super easy to enter, and I hope you're the lucky winner if you have a go at this one. Alrighty, that is it for me for this episode of the podcast. I hope you have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world, and I hope you are safe, healthy, and well. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 